Hey everybody, welcome to Identical Cousins episode 16. Red is that hair- two the two to the fourth power? No, it's four 16? it's four to the whatever that two power is. Two to the fourth. I don't know. Well, it's identical four, cousins. Four episode. to the two. It's identical four cousins to four to the yeah. second. Red herring. Okay. I'm I still want my tongue over here. <laughs> <laughs> Math is hard. Red herring. Let's have some music, Michael. Brett, where's the humming? What humming? Well, the music's done. Oh, I'm supposed to hum to the music. Yeah, the music's yeah. over. Well, I'm excited today. Yeah, me too. We, we have Chris Liscio. We, Is it Liscio or Liscio? Liscio. 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 Uh, Liscio. Liscio. Holy yeah. cow. Man. Lisha. Depends who you are. Yeah, but I mean, right. see, see, this is how nice Chris is. Well, first of all, he's Canadian, so he like has to be nice by law. But yeah, sorry. More importantly, <laughs> I love Canadians. What are you talking about? Canada rules. Go Canada. But that was such a good apology. I've been calling him Lishio for like so long, and he hasn't said anything. So like, well, because it's spelled Lishio. Yeah, but he could still say it's Lishio. I mean, I don't have a problem. Why would I want to say it wrong? Yeah, yeah right. Of course. When people spell Michael M I C H E A L, I'm just like, no, it's wrong. There's no spelling of Michael ever that way. Ever. Like, no one was ever spelled M I C H E A L ever. And and do you get that thing? People are Mr. Simons. Exactly. Oh, Simons is the I worst. Hate and, that. And it's also the worst when like you'll call somewhere. Like I'm statist on American Airlines. So you think because I'm status, look, I don't care about the BS, but I'm just saying you think because I am, they would like actually read my name because they're going to say, oh, welcome back, Mr. Simmons, right? Mm -hmm. And they'll say Simons. Yeah. And I'm like, there's two M's in my last name. Oh, Simmons. And as soon as I say that, I mean, they know they're wrong. So it's like they're clearly not thinking or they're not reading. But yeah, I I get it all the time. Yeah. You do too. Yep. Oh, yeah. Constantly. Yeah. I don't get that. And there there aren't any... People named Simons, or hardly any. Yeah, Simmons is that's so true. much more that's common. That's actually true. Yeah. It's like the uh, me, 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 well, I don't even know how you would say him. I C H E A L. McKeel? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Who have you ever even met that's last name is Simons? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's true. It's crazy. But anyway, Chris, yeah. what do people call you besides Licio or what do you call him, Brent? Licio or well, Licio. Yeah. What do what do people call you? Like, what are some other funny pronunciations? Oh man, I've had I've had all kinds. Um, I think uh, a long time ago, my parents resigned to go by Lissio, and uh, I wasn't having that. <laughs> um, but that seems to be the most compatible with, uh, you know, what people read versus what people say. Yeah. Um, right. But I don't know. It's grading on me for some reason. Mm. Um, I, don't, I had like somebody pull out some wacky ones like Leechco and <laughs> Lis- Lissico, you know, they swap the letters around and. It's almost like Serpico. <laughs> Serpico. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's been butchered all kinds of ways. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm actually surprised that people would mess up Simmons. Like, you'd, you'd think that. It's so common, know, yeah. Haven't they ever gone bed shopping before? Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. A pretty, it's a pretty right. popular brand. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, the other thing is, you know, I hate to say it, but obviously I'm sure you've gotten this brand where you get Richard or, you know, Gene or, I mean, mm-hmm. there's, you know, you get the jokes, right? Because for some reason yeah, people right, have to right. joke, but. Like, that's the whole thing. There's a lot of Simmonses out there. It's not even like Simmons is an uncommon name. Right. Where, like, Brent said, no. No, who, how, when have you ever heard Simon? So it's like, it's not even, si- if Simons was more popular than Simmons, you'd understand. Mm-hmm. No right. one's Simons, and there's a lot of Simmons. Yep. Well, I also get Brett for Brent. Yeah, that I could see. That so. I could, I mean, that's, but, you know, but technically, Brent is the more common name. This is true, so, but if you look quickly, I, I can at least see that one because it's a real name, right? Sure, yeah, right. It, but, you know, wrong. I go around life as Brett Simons. Brett Simons. Yeah. Hopefully you don't have hopefully you don't have a middle name like Peter. 
Where my favorite, your first name isn't Peter. Sorry, I got that wrong. Sorry. Anyway, continue. My favorite thing was when I discovered uh, spell checking came out in the 90s or something. And I think I was using WordPerfect at the time. And it wanted my name to be Burnt Simeons. Burnt? Nice. Mm-hmm. I could see Burt. Burnt, but it was burnt. Burnt, B-U-R-N-T. Burnt Simeons. <laughs> that's a good... Burnt Sienna. That's a good... The color. That's a good older yeah, ego. There you go. Burnt, yeah, burnt yeah. Simeons. That's good. So, Chris, how are you? Anyway, we should... No, sorry. Oh, sorry. No. Okay. How, how you doing, Chris? <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. It's busy. Yeah, good, good. So, we'll, uh, we don't usually talk about news on this podcast because we just want to kind of get into stuff that our listeners would find interesting. But, of course, the big news on everyone's week is WWDC. Now, we're recording on... April 26th, and this episode will go live on April 30th, but obviously yesterday was the big sale day of WWDC, where it sold out in basically two minutes. So everyone's been talking about it, so I think we need to say something. I will go last. Brent, you can go first. Uh, I'll be at... I'll be there. I didn't get a ticket. All right, but you'll be in SF chilling and hanging and drinking and smoking, right? Yeah, all the things, doing the things with the people. And uh, pretty, I mean, no matter what, it's pretty impressive that, I mean, of course it sold out in two minutes. The world had a head notice, had advance notice, right? Like Mm -hmm. what was going to happen. But uh, it's still impressive. I don't care what any, you know, people are upset or there's there's problems. I'm not denying the problems, but it's impressive. No one's talked about how impressive it is or how how great it is for our industry that it's popular. Or successful, I guess, is probably a better word. Popular doesn't matter. It's definitely a good problem to have. Yeah. Apple would rather have this problem than the problem of no one showing up. Remember the problem of having to contact us? I mean, I'm going, I've been going to WWDC since it was in San Jose in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And they would actually contact you and be like, hey, you're making a decision? It's going to be over Mm -hmm. soon. And they they needed people to come, right? Yeah. What do you think, Chris, of the whole sellout? It's, It's weird. It's it's so weird. And if it matters, like, I'll just throw out there. I got a ticket. So there were a lot of problems with people getting tickets. I got a ticket. Did you get a ticket, Chris? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah so I, I, And I don't even know how. I mean, well, I, you went on 10 o'clock, you hit refresh, and I guess some people got it. And some yeah, but went. so did everybody. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, at, yeah, but if there's only 5,000, everybody hitting refresh, there has to be an X, a certain amount of people have to get it. Yeah, certain yeah. Number. That's just how it works. Well, I had a little bit of a I don't get conspiracy it theory of sorts. Ooh, um, let's hear it. Well, not really a conspiracy theory. No, make it just, a conspiracy theory. That sounds better. No, no. It, it, it's um, <laughs> make it like it just seems weird that it would sell out in, in just two minutes. Like, I'm wondering if, you know, 5,000 tickets went into carts and maybe a much smaller number of tickets actually got fulfilled right away. Yeah, no, no. I don't think I think you're correct. I actually talked about this with Kent and. I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I think what happened was exactly that. They considered it sold out when 5,000 people clicked buy ticket, when when it was going into the right, cart, right. not when the purchases were complete, because I'm assuming the Apple Store system couldn't speak back to the developer system and say, yeah, there's been 5,000 successfully transact, you know, completed orders. Because the other problem right. is if you wait for the sales thing and there really are 5,000, then you have other people waiting to buy that are actually bogus, Right. Yeah, exactly. They had to cut it off at 5,000 clicks rather than 5,000 sales. No, I agree. I, I, right. think it, I, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I think that's truth. Yeah, but can you really go around saying that you sold out in two minutes? Well, okay. So, so the thing... You know what I mean? You know, yeah, like, yeah, true, true, true. But what they can do is is they can obviously contact some people. Like there were people, obviously, you know, who couldn't transact to do the sale. Like something happened with the store. And Apple's been mm-hmm. contacting those people to give them links to let them buy the tickets. I know a bunch of people who did that. In right. fact, that's what happened to me. Um, I bought my ticket. Everything was great. I got to this cart. I was starting to buy. I was entering everything. And then I got some weird error. And when I reloaded, it was like, nothing in your cart. 
Yeah. And they contacted yeah. me. I mean, it was really cool that they did it and they did it. But I assume what they're going to do is they're probably going to go through everyone who had this failed orders that they can confirm and they'll be left with extra tickets. What will they do with yeah. it? Maybe they'll contact certain developers who they can confirm clicked because they have to be able to confirm you clicked it because you logged in through your developer account. Right, exactly. But then, but I know, you know what you mean. Then it's not selling it out in two the minutes. Question. Yeah, I got it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well, Apple's probably not going to. Apple's not going to brag about this. No, and they haven't bragged about it either way. And I don't yeah. think. I, no, no. Technically, it did sell out in two minutes. In that, five thousand people clicked that button in two minutes. So, well, no. See, I look at that as the system fell over in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, but if let's say they would have been able to handle all of the sales of those five thousand yeah, clicks, no, it sold out in two minutes, right? You have you have a good point in in that regard. It's just I know what you mean. No, no, I'm totally with you. But I, I I do think they had to do it this way because otherwise you'd have massively mad people who said, "Hey, you got a ticket, but you can't buy it." Right. That's the and, that's the alternative, right? Yeah, I I don't know how how they are going to spin it going forward, but well, it'll be interesting to see nonetheless. Well, like you got to wonder what that split is. Right? Oh yeah, it's it's got to be crazy. And I do know a ton of people who had the cart thing like me, and I know a ton of people mm-hmm. that actually got the ticket, and then it never even got in their cart because. And I'm pretty sure this is a bug, and I don't know how they're going to handle this. But we have teams, so because I have Flexibits, and we're also doing some contract work with App Shopper and stuff, I have right. teams when I log into Developer. Mm-hmm. There's some issue going on with teams. And even when I got yeah. the link from Apple to buy the ticket now, you know, like, sorry, we, you know, complete your ticket. It doesn't work. There's still something wrong with the Teams thing. And I think people who are on Teams are the people who failed. And I don't know what Apple's going to do, how they can validate this stuff, but it's pretty bad. I mean, there's clearly some bug on their server with Teams. Yeah, something something's definitely going down. Yeah. But you got to wonder what that, what that split percentage is, you know? Oh yeah. Like, like, was it 5,000 less 600 people that, that no, I have to think it's way more. I have to think it's, or was it like maybe only 1500 people got tickets and Apple's got a lot of phone calls to make? Yeah. Well, I can (laughs) tell you this, they, and, and the only reason I say that is because like just the percentage of the, the sheer amount of people that did not get tickets, it just, it seems so fishy. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, no, like, so many people didn't get them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, that's just the weird thing for me. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, maybe, maybe Apple built a little bit of padding into this. Maybe they went into it early on saying, man, this thing's going to fall apart. Let's, let's hold back, say, 800 tickets for, you know, let's call them special people or something like that. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, there's certainly going to be a large amount of people who didn't get tickets or that clicked the thing and got tickets or, or that won't be tracked. I mean, there's certainly a lot of people who, who lost out on this, how Apple will, how, right. but I mean, all right, Apple's clearly doing the right thing. In fact, a lot of people who were really mad yesterday are like, Oh my God, go Apple. Like, I'm really happy with this. Like at least, at least they they know there's a problem and at least they're trying to fix it, right? They're not just like, yeah, too bad, yeah. guys. Like, you know, we have extra tickets. I mean, they're, they're, obviously they want to sell the tickets. Mm-hmm. But but mm-hmm. they're doing the right thing. I mean, look at how quickly they're acting, right? Within less than 24 hours, I got a link to buy a ticket. That's pretty good. Right. And and I, I really hope that, you know, I, I hope it's the case that they've got a lot of phone calls to make. Yeah. Just, just based on, you know, my Twitter stream and... and 
you know, other, other sources of, you know, chatting with friends and stuff who just got stuck. Yeah. 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 You know, you talk about weird problems, you know, people had cart problems and stuff like that. You know, one friend went through and, you know, he got to the point and he got a ticket and it had some other developer's name on it. What? And he's like, uh, do I buy this? What do I do? What's going oh, on? Speaking, and then it sold out. Speaking of some of other <laughs> developers name, um, I have this weird issue with my Apple ID. I just, I got to talk about it here because if either, if, you, if either of you have ideas, that's great. But I just want to also kind of bring to light a problem that Apple has that shows that, you know, we, we, we go down on Apple when they do something wrong. And I think this is important, especially their internet services tend to suck, right? Or have have mm-hmm. strange issues, shall we say. So you know my Apple ID, right? Everyone has an Apple ID and it's very important. Right. Well, I logged into my Apple ID the night before the WWDC tickets went on sale because I wanted to make sure all my info was correct since, you know, I was using it for the store, you know, the Apple store. Yeah. And I noticed, do you know those, how you have those alternate email addresses? Sure, yeah. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed an alternate email address of a friend of mine. It was, it, 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 yeah, yeah. I was like, what? But it was his. So I, I recognized it. I mean, luckily it wasn't a complete stranger because then it'd be like, what? But it was a friend, right? So I asked him, of course. I mean, if he's hacking my account or if he's a nefarious dude, and just so you know, he's not like a great friend. I'd consider him a nice guy. I mean, we're definitely fr- on friendly terms, but I don't know him right. that well, but I know him well enough to think he's a really good guy. Right. So I asked him about it because I figured that's the gentlemanly thing to do. And of course, he said he didn't know. He had no clue. And I believe him. Well, I call up Apple and they happen to have a number. You can go online and get Apple ID support and they'll, they'll call you back. Pretty impressive, right? But the support was like complete BS. It was like, well, you know, for the privacy account, we can't tell you anything. Right. Which I do know they got socially hacked. I don't know if you remember this. People would call in. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So I get that now. They're being very cautious. But basically, here's what I said. I have an account. I have a... Um, oh, and one other thing, this alternate email address, you know, you can verify the email address because you get an email and you have to click on the verification link. It was there, but it said unverified. Now, let's go down. Oh, okay. Let's go down the path that this guy did hack in my account and added this. First of all, why would he add his real name? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, people do stupid stuff, right? People steal iPhones, and then take photos of themselves. And that's when they get caught. Right. So. Right. But but why would he put his own name and then what would be the benefit of putting the alternate email address? And then let's go one step further. Why wouldn't he have verified it if he got in to add the address? Right. Like none of it makes sense. Like, why would I why would you go in and add an alternate email? If he had my password, he could be doing other things. Right. Right. So I, I said this to Apple. I'm like, I think you have some kind of security issue or something going on in your back end where this got randomly added. He's a friend of mine on Game Center. He's someone I chat with on iMessage. Maybe somehow because I chatted with him on iMessage, it, you know, screwed up and added him. I don't, I mean, I have no answer, but neither right. did Apple. Mm-hmm. And he, they basically said, well, from our end, it's probably that, that he hacked into your account or someone hacked in and used his email address because they hacked his account and they had access to his email address. Yeah. But do any of you have anything that come to mind as to why a random email address of a friend would show up in my account unverified as an alternate email address? I got yeah, no I idea. Know. I mean, if I were to make a guess and, and you said that he was like a super good friend, I would suggest, you know, maybe once upon a time, a long time ago, you know, I don't know, you pre-ordered some new shiny doohickey and you put your buddy's address in there to just in case the confirmation email didn't get to you for yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, no, no. And I, I thought, about, no, we're not super close. I mean, we're, we're friendly and he's a nice guy. And again, from what I know about him, he's a, he's a really good guy. I mean, I, I like him. I genuinely right. like him, but um, I don't know him that well. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I have chatted with him. We have iMessaged before. I, he never sold me any devices or anything like that. I never bought anything for him. But, yeah. you know, it's just, it, it obviously freaks me out a little bit. It's a little creepy. But, because, yeah, you know, no, now do I trust him? Do I not trust him? Do I trust Apple? Do I not trust? Do I not, you know? But I, 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 it seems like I'm not going to be able to get an answer on this. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, so just stinks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but anyway, yeah. anyway, that's little little side thing because we were talking about Apple servers doing weird things and you know weird names. I personally, if I have to go with my gut, I think it somehow showed up erroneously on their end. It was there, that's why it was unverified. It was just a random glitch that somehow his name got associated with mine. Maybe the day we I messaged something on their server borked. I don't know. Well, you know a lot of people. You never know. You never know. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, there you go. So back to WWDC. So uh, you'll be there. Brent will be there. I'll be there. I think a lot of people are going to be there. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think this year, because of the, the pre-announcement, I think another thing that happened was a lot of people went ahead and booked travel yep. um, before buying the ticket. Absolutely. Which I fought very hard not to do, and I'm, I'm glad I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> It took a lot of self-control not to because I think it, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but I actually lost a flight um, by waiting a day to book it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, I'm picky about my flights. Like I prefer a direct flight if I can swing it. Of course. And I think from Toronto to San Francisco, there's maybe like three or four direct flights a day. So there's not a whole lot to pick from in, in that regard. Right. Uh, especially when you consider I want one of the first two. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I've actually, um, lost my spot. Um, actually it happened two years. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. But you got your flight um, this year. Yeah. So what I did was, um, I actually pre-booked my hotel as well. Yeah. Like about a month or so ago. Right. Um, and I also went through and, and made sure I knew what flights I wanted. Right. Um, just so that, because, you know, you go through purchasing the ticket and all that stuff, and then your day is just blown, like, then you got to shop out hotels, then you got to shop out, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. I figured, you know, if I could take a bunch of this stuff off my plate in advance, um, I'll be happier for it. Yeah. So it was awesome, actually, you know. I, I mean, the ticket was the stress, most stressful part of the day, which is, I mean, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I didn't have to think about anything else other than actually going through and, and, you know, clicking all the buttons to actually order everything. Well, the interesting thing about the flight you were saying with, you know, people booking the flight, I, I've been reading all of the controversies and comments and complaints and compliments about WWDC. And since I've been going since like when it was little and stupid, here, right. here's my big takeaway from it. Cause I think it's pretty simple. Everyone goes to WWDC. Sure. For the session. Sure. For the lab. Sure. For everything. It's funny. Our titles red herring. Cause I feel like that's a red herring. Um, the, the real thing everyone loves about WWDC and the thing that everyone's passionate about WWDC is everyone, is, is just the community, right? Is everyone being right. in one place at one time, sharing stories, you know, in these sessions, talking about how shitty the session was, talking about how it was packed. I mean, it's the social, right? Everyone loves being in San Francisco together for this event that brings us all together. That's what I think. And I think no matter what, yeah, the labs are important or the sessions are important or the getting the, the new OS 10 or iOS build is important, but it's really what the big passion driver is here of people who are, let's say, frustrated is the fact that they can't get in. They feel excluded. But 
you don't have to go to WWDC and have a ticket to be included. Just come to San Francisco and everyone can be there. And there's after parties and there's events and there's all WWDC and there's other things. And it's like everyone will come in at this time. And if WWDC is the beacon that brings everyone there, then that's great. If Apple can't support all these people, which they never will be allowed to because there's just too many people, then so be yeah. it. But if everyone can come together and have a good time and it brings our community together, I'm all for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, to, though, to be honest, I, I'm not sure I would have been able to, to justify going without an actual ticket. No, and I do have friends who said, I mean, even Kent, my business partner, was like, yeah, if, we don't get, you know, if we, I don't get a ticket, I, I probably wouldn't go just because da-da-da. I mean, I'm not a big partier, so I won't go out about the after events and stuff, but I still think being there to meet with friends and talk about things and catch up and, you know, be there when all these things are going on and have some camaraderie, I think it's important. But I do understand that, like, if you didn't have the ticket, well, then it's a week worth less, you know, you lost a week's worth of work and the costs and all this stuff. And then you're really not. Oh, yeah. yeah. It adds up. Yep. Well, plus with the sessions being streamed or apparently released simultaneously, you could just sit at home and watch the sessions comfortably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's um, a big deal. I, no, I'm, what also kind of bugs me in all this controversy is no one's been giving Apple props about that. I mean, okay, you can't make it, but now you can have the sessions you know, from your house pretty much in real time. Again, we don't know if it's going to be streamed or afterwards, but it doesn't matter. You'll get the sessions pretty much right away. That's amazing. I'm not sure that's really... I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Cause, Why? Because if you, if you read the way it's written, it's like you could, you could read that as you'll get the sessions as they're happening or you will get the sessions that happened during the week. Like you will be able to access the sessions that happened during the week, not you will be able to access the sessions during the week. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want to I actually, I want to see if I can uh, find the actual wording right now. Where is it? It's not on the website, is it? It is, it is. It's under, um, uh, I think it's on the, the more page. Yeah, here it is. Can't make it WWC. We'll be posting videos of all of our sessions during the conference. So register to, yeah, no, it's, it's very clear during the conference. Yeah, but is it, we'll be posting the sessions during the conference or we'll be posting the sessions during oh, the no, conference? It's, we'll be, no, because then it would say <laughs> we will be posting the sessions after the conference. So we'll be posting a sessions of the conference. You know, why, why say during? <laughs> oh, I know. I know. It's just, um, yeah, I got to give, I got to give props to Pocophasis for instilling some doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that as doubt, but hey, if I'm wrong, I'll be wrong. I, I mean, I think they use the word. Oh, I, I hope it's yeah. the case. I totally hope it's the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they did it because they knew it would sell out and it would upset people. Right. I mean, that's their. Th so here's the thing. Making this stuff semi-live, I mean, I don't think they're going to stream it. I think what they'll do is they'll record it and then they'll try to oh, get no, it up. No, yeah. yeah. No, they edit, they edit the crap out of those exactly. things. Exactly. But I think they can, with a good team, have those videos up within an hour of the video being done. Well, I'm, I'm certain of that because um, when they released it like the Monday after, That's right. they had to be basically done with the videos exactly. right after they were done. And don't think they won't have teams in there with, you know, multi-cameras and switchers and all this other stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah of yeah. course. So, I mean... You know, it's Apple, right? They can have this stuff done. So if you believe these sentences, th these words, we'll be posting videos of all sessions Oh, I believe during. it. I, I mean, yeah. I only brought that up because it was a funny way to look at it. Yeah, another way. Another, another way yeah, but I... So anyway, Especially because people are going crazy over that. Well, that's the whole thing. So I think, though, with this new thing, posting the sessions during the conference, and I'm a believer they will... Um, you know, that's that's fine for people who don't want to come. And it's actually an incentive to not spend the money to get out there and waste your week, you know, quote unquote, out there. Some people took that as a, um, 
a potential way to curb the demand of it. Well, sure. I actually know there were three people that told me because of this, because of the sessions being posted during, they're not going to go. They're like, I'd rather right. be back at home working on my app because they have a crunch period, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay at home and then I can watch them on my own time and I don't have to spend all this money and I don't have to go through all the hassle of being there. Let's be honest. It's a hassle to get there, right? It's a hassle to find the hotel and book the airfare and do all this other stuff. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. You said it yourself. What do oh, you I, See, yeah. for me, I don't know what year it was. I think it was the year before Capo 2 shipped. I, I, yeah. I, I can't remember what year it was, but there was one year where my Twitter stream was basically like labs, 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 labs. And, um, I mean that, that particular year I had so much stuff, um, so much stuff figured out just, just by talking to the actual engineers behind, behind the tech that I was consuming. And, you know, it's not just, no, the labs are priceless. There's no questions there. Yeah. No questions. It's not just, you know, how do I, how do I use this API or this API is not working as expected or whatever, but sometimes I'll find people who are. Uh, responsible for certain parts of uh, technology and just pick their brains on higher level stuff. Sure. Like, um, see, one th- in my world, the sort of audio and DSP world, um, I'll hit up um, the audio labs and I'll also hit up the performance optimization labs because both of those groups have people who don't necessarily just work on the APIs. They'll have people who work on, you know, Logic and GarageBand and you know, do signal processing stuff around the company for other teams. Right. So these are guys who are basically doing what I do in various capacities around Apple. They're sort of the experts of those specific areas. Right. So I'll just like get up on the whiteboard and say, hey, I've, I've, I've been working on this algorithm or, or, or I've got one that's, you know, in the app and this is how I designed it. What do you think about it? Is yeah. there anything, is there anything I did particularly That's cool. Bad that's very, ins- good? that's very inspiring actually. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's, and, and you know what? The response I get from the people is, um, amazing. I bet. It's awesome. Yeah, I bet. I bet. No, 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 like, totally. Cause, Cause a lot of people don't they're get sitting there and they're like, wow, you know, you get this. And I, yeah. And, and it's not that I want to like put anyone else down. Cause I mean, you know, I was a newbie before too, but you know, for, for a lot of the engineers, they sort of treat it as like refreshing. Yeah. Like, wow, this is actually a really cool problem. Or, you know, I've never heard of your app before, but I'm going to go back to my office and check it out because, you know, I had one guy tell me, um, I was asking him a fuzz measure question and, and he was like, wow, I did my PhD on acoustics. (laughs) (laughs) So this guy like flipped out because he had no idea that this app existed on, on the Mac. So that's awesome. Yeah. You get a lot of these. Um, I I think for me that the fascination I have with the labs is, you get to find out about a lot of really cool jobs inside Apple. And you um, get to find out that really cool things are actually going on inside Apple. I mean, you always, you always have suspicions, right? But then you actually get confirmation. Right. Like you, you have the AppKit team and the AppKit team works on AppKit and they work on, you know, th- um, you know, they'll move over to iOS and back to the Mac and so on and so forth. Um, and then you get other people who work on, say, the core audio APIs and stuff like that. But one of those guys who works on the core audio API might also have like a physics background or something like that. So he's also doing signal processing stuff for the pro apps team. And, you know, he doesn't necessarily work on that team, but if, if one of those guys says, Hey, you know, I don't know, I'm throwing a hypothetical out there, but let's say that they're having a problem with 
you know, background noise hiss or something like that. They'll say, hey, you know, how would you attack this problem? And there are guys kind of sprinkled around the company working, you know, on on problems that we see outside the company that are very obvious, you know, like core audio APIs and so on and so forth. But there are guys who have sort of this almost like a special agent, um, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, a, yeah, 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 I know what you mean. They're like, they're like the A team. Yeah, it's like Black Ops. Yeah, totally. No, no, Skunk Works. Totally, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you know, crap's starting to hit the fan over. No, in no, I have, I have an exact, I have an exact example because when we were doing Fantastic Hell, I think this was, it was two years ago because we skipped last year. We just skipped because we were so busy. Um, we had to meet with the calendar team, and there were these issues we had, and it was one of these things where. We went in and we started talking and it was like, we literally got sucked in because we all, like the Apple guys and us were all talking about the same problems and the things that were frustrating. And then we like actually discussed solutions and then sure enough, they, they, they addressed them. They told us they were addressing them. And it was just like, we got this team that's doing these things that have nothing to do with calendar or iCal. They're like doing the, the stuff that people would, most developers would never talk about, but obviously we're making a calendar app. So it's important to us, right? Right, and they were like excited, like, "Oh my God, someone cares about this stuff." It, it was, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so, so for me, you know, you, you talk about, you know, the socialization aspect outside. Um, for me, it's a lot of the socialization aspect inside because you know, there's a lot of people who work at Apple who I don't communicate with outside of, you know, WWDC. Maybe the odd mailing list or dev forums posting, but other than that, it's, it's pretty much once a year you get to meet up with these people that you last spoke with a year ago and you get to show them hey remember that thing we talked about last year yeah look what i've done with it yeah it's almost like it's almost like years gone by you've done your work and let's talk again yeah exactly and no yeah it's that's cool. exactly it. it is cool how you doing over there brent i'm doing great okay just checking it on <laughs> just checking it actually it's uh that time in our show we're going to talk about our sponsor which this week is fast spring cool beans brent Fast spring. You love, you love fast spring. You know, I haven't actually used fast spring yet. But you love them. I do love them. Everything I hear about them is wonderful. Everyone who uses fast spring, I, I think, actually, uh, is numbered among the happiest people in the world. I use them. Yep. And you love them, right? I, I love them. Chris? Oh, yeah. They're fantastic so far. Yeah, Chris uses them. Oh, okay. So we should probably tell people what fast spring actually does. Yeah. So they're a pain. What do they do? Yeah, Chris, you, want, you, you use it. Tell them what it is. Um, in a short version, short version, uh, they collect money for you and, um, make headaches go away. That's pretty good. That's nice. Yeah. I love them just because, uh, back when I was at cultured code, we had some issues and they, they saved us. And I mean, they really saved us. They, they're truly like indie developers of e-commerce, which is kind of hard to say because e-commerce is such a businessy business, but, mm. yeah. but, but Chris, you agree, right? Like when you have a problem and you contact them, they get on it. Their support is world-class. I mean, to be honest, I haven't even ever really got to that point. I mean, there was the initial integration stage where I had a couple of questions and they were on top of that. But since then, it's it's a no brainer. Well, like the the in app uh, the in app WebKit view, how it's open sourced on GitHub. Like, there's just there's things about them that like you'd never normally see from an e commerce company. Mm, that's right, very cool. Right. Yeah, so we love FastSpring, and if you're a developer that's selling Mac apps or any kind of apps directly from your site, or even just wares, I mean, they doesn't have to be software; it could be products. If you need something. For a store, they provide the store, they provide the payment, they have re recurring billing, software as a service, which is a product called Sassy, um, which is a cool name. Um, but yeah, <laughs> FastSpring is great. We thank them for supporting and sponsoring us, and go check them out at FastSpring.com. 
It's not slow spring. It's fast spring. Yes, and it's their 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 tagline is the next generation of e-commerce. Ah, that's really awesome. The next generation is already here. Yeah, no, they're great. We love them, and and as you said, Brent, I'm sure you hear a lot about them from people who use them. Yep. Okay, so back to the action. So, Chris, uh, you what, what? Tell everyone what your products are and what you what you do, and and tell us a little bit about yourself because we know about you, but our listeners may not. Um. Yeah, so I'm I'm relatively new to the Mac. Um, it's really funny to say now because I, I talk to like people I meet all the time, and and they don't feel the same way. Um, but I started out in 2003 actually uh, on the Mac. That was my first Mac, and um, I've always been you know interested in writing my own thing, doing my own product, and so um, in about. <laughs> Um, I want to say like mid 2004, I started working on uh, fuzz measure just in my spare time and for fun, for, for a little hobby I had of building my own speakers. Um, so yeah, I, I noticed that nothing existed for the Mac that allowed me to sort of test out my own speakers. And so I just, I started out writing this app, which the first version basically dumped um, comma separated values out to a file and I plotted them in Excel and then Slowly, I evolved that and wrote my own graphing library and went on and on and on. And in November of 04, I, I released Fuzz Measure, which at the time uh, focused solely on electrical loudspeaker measurements, which, I mean, if you're talking about niche markets, that's that's pretty niche. And um, That's pretty niche. Yeah. So at the time, like my goal was just to, to make enough money to buy an audio device you know <laughs> just just to kind of cover my costs of of development and, and have a little fun with it because i had a day job and i didn't i didn't really want to um you know i, d- I didn't want to ruin a good thing i was just having fun on the side so i figured i might as well do it without incurring now when you were when you were doing myself. it at the side what were you doing as your day job uh, i worked at uh, a company that is now known as blackberry <laughs> research in motion yes yes uh-huh. um, i think that's I very a, interesting I had an interesting job there. Oh, did um, you? What'd you work on? I worked on I worked on a product where they they put the BlackBerry technologies into other handsets, which kind of sounds weird, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we used to, so I worked on a core library that got integrated into, say, Windows Mobile and um, some Symbian phones and other other platforms. But it was embedded systems work, and it was it was interesting. And I worked with really smart guys and. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed my job. Um, so yeah, I was just doing something for fun on the side, and and then that kind of started to take off slowly. I mean, it wasn't like an overnight success. It definitely wasn't an overnight success um, because I didn't leave my day job until 2008. But there was definitely that momentum where you're like, yeah, this is a real thing. This this is happening. You know, it didn't really happen that way. It's it's kind of <clears throat> funny. Huh, um, okay. Yeah, so it was a slow growth, slow growth, and then eventually got to the point where it was like, you know what, I'm I'm almost making as much as I make at my day job. <laughs> and so me and my wife talked about it, and we said, you know what, I'll, I'll take a pay cut, um, and then we'll see what happens, you know? If you go from doing it in evenings and weekends to doing it full time, there's got to be some kind of uptick in, you know, my output and the product sales and so on and so forth. And so what ended up... What ended up happening was um, I had shipped Tape Deck, so product number two. Uh, tape Deck 
uh, in 2008, I guess. And uh, that did quite well. So by the end of 2008, I ended up... Oops. That's fun. Just pretend like it isn't happening. <laughs> Unless you have to get it. There, my wife got it. All right, awesome. So I'll start over again. No, no, keep going. So yeah, Tape Deck, tape deck was my second product. and I. What does Tape Deck do? Tape Deck is uh, an audio recorder, a very simple audio recorder. Um, I worked on that with a friend, uh, Dan Sandler. He actually came to me with the idea and said, um, at the time he was lecturing at Rice University, and he said, you know what, there's no good simple audio recorders for OS X that, you know, I just kind of load it up, press record, and don't think about it. And uh, so he actually did all the UI and fun stuff like that, came up with a concept, and I obviously supplied the, um, the audio engine and, and coding and so forth. And so we came out with, uh, with Tape Deck then. And what happened was the, the end of my first year of, of going indie, because uh, I had left my job in February of that year, uh, by the end of the year, it got to the point where, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not that far behind my day job. In fact, I may have matched my, my income as if I had never left my job. Nice. So, you know, mission accomplished, right? At the yeah. end of the first year. So um, the year after that, I think it was the year after, yeah, the year after that, I came up with Capo. Um, and Capo, let everyone know what Capo does. Capo is the... Uh, <clears throat> the the slow downer app that I have I don't even want to call it that it's it, it's an application for uh, for figuring out music that you want to learn to play on whatever instrument you play yeah it's, it's very guitar focused now um, but that's definitely not um, completely intentional and it's an awesome app it's actually I believe it's how I met you because it just yeah. works amazing and I think I'd given you some UI feedback I don't remember what but I know I loved the app and I contacted you I think you were on the beta too yeah way back but like before it came out yeah but I, so yeah maybe I had read about it and I don't remember what but I know capo is sort of I mean it was awesome it is awesome actually you may have you may have come um, come to know me through tape deck Huh. I, I think you came to know me through Tape Deck. Yeah, maybe when, when maybe it was out. when I was still at Ambrosia or something. What year did Tape Deck come out? Oh wait, oh wait, yeah, that's I'm, I, yeah, probably because I was working on Wiretap Studio at Ambrosia at the time, and um, yeah, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so um, uh, I put Capo together and um, well, I shipped it in in mid two thousand nine, and uh, that just totally smashed all my previous, you know, sales records and so on and so forth. Like everyone just loved it. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been doing really well. And, um, yeah, it's, I, I guess it was shortly thereafter and, in later 2009, I put it together for iOS. Oh no, no, that must've been 2010. I put it together for iOS. Uh, I, I held out on, on the iOS port for quite a while because, there was a long time where you couldn't access your iTunes music very easily. Mm. And uh, I was holding out for, for something something good there. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. I got I to gotta take care of a little background noise issue. <laughs> so, I'll be back in a sec. So, Brent, how's everything okay. going with you? Uh, anything, anything new and exciting on your indie app that you're working on? Well, continuing to work on the app. That's pretty much the story. How's the <clears> progress <throat> coming along? Well, it's at that phase where um, where the to-do list just 
just keeps getting bigger. But everything is is really, really small things. So I figured out you haven't shown it to me yet because you don't want that list to be insane, right? <laughs> Sorry about that. Now, now I finally figured it out. Uh, there you go. Um, uh, I'm, I'm actually not the person controlling who sees it. So. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. okay. Well, at least you're using Hockey App now, so that's good. Yeah, yeah totally. How's that coming along? So, you like that, by the way? Yeah, I've had, had no problems with it. I love the uh, online crash gathering symbolication bit that good good very very cool yeah and when yeah. when it gets l- released the, the real magic is when it goes live because you'll put your app in the store i assume this is an ios app right yeah okay yeah. so you'll put your app in the store live and then you have a hockey app entry for it live right and mm-hmm. all of the crashes in the field come to you instantly symbolicated that's so you can so basically cool. be fixing yep. it before you even get support emails which means you can have a build ready to tell your customers we're on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, um, you know, the live version won't have any crashing bugs. But, oh, none, none at all. None. But but if it did, then that would be really cool. <laughs> it, it would. Be. So, Chris. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, so, no, no, it's all good. Capo. Um, see, this is the life of an indie developer. Like you're at home and you're doing stuff, and that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, kind of weird. You know, this is actually a good, um, since I work from home, I believe, Brent, you work from home, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and Chris works from home. You know, this is actually, everyone will say to me, oh, it's so amazing. You have your own business, indie developer, you work from home. This is one of those things, though, where it gets frustrating because you can be at home and you have a wife or child or family or dog prop, whatever, right? Like, these are the things, like, you're if you're in an office, you're kind of working and sure, people will come in or whatever, but there's pros and cons to working at home. And one of those is that, you know, you have to sometimes tend to the family. Right. This is, this is actually a rare, a rare thing. Um, just my daughter was, uh, sent home from daycare yesterday, sick. So oh. she actually has to stay home today. Oh, um, hope she feels yeah, better. Kind of a bummer. Yeah. She seems to be, she's actually been sleeping most of the day. That's good. Sleep is really good. weird. <laughs> well, that's good. At least she's probably feeling better from the sleep. Yeah. Usually she's a little ball of energy, <clears throat> but, uh, I think she just woke up like maybe a half an hour ago <laughs> she's been asleep all day it's the weirdest wow thing. you know as i'm getting older i've actually so i used to sleep mad like i would just that's probably why i became a software developer it was like i would sleep until like two in the afternoon it was bad i mean it was really bad and then anyway i get married and we had a kid in a, and now i wake up at like nine or ten seems to be my time where i'm like up um, which I don't know what time you guys get up, but I really don't start waking up until nine or ten. What time do you guys usually what? get up? Yeah, what time do you, what time do you get up? Oh, Nine man, or ten ki- for me, yeah. Yeah, my kids are jumping on us in our bed at like six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, but what's funny is, is like, like I'm I'm going to be traveling tomorrow. I'm going overseas, and it's one of those funny things where I have uh, since I'm going to be traveling and I'm going to be tired and all that stuff. I slept, and I was actually able to sleep until 11 a.m. today. It was awesome. Wow, wow. Yeah. I, I don't even know what that is anymore. You got to try mm-hmm. it someday. It's awesome. Yeah, it's. I'm. I'm sure it'll happen when the kids get older. My my son's um, actually quite, <clears throat> quite, quite large. Uh, he's he's pretty tall for his age. Right. And um, I suspect when he's a teenager, he's probably going to go through a massive growth spurt that's going to cause him to just sleep all the time. Right. Mm. Right. So maybe yeah. that's when we'll get our our extra winks in. <laughs> all right. So capo. So um, yeah. Continue. So capo is. Um, yeah, so I went into the iOS. Yeah, so I started the iOS uh, version of Capo uh, when I felt that um, Apple had supplied enough enough of a foundation for me to to sort of latch onto. Because you know, how do you do an application for an iPhone when you can't get music into your application? Um, some other applications that do similar things to Capo, what they had 
resigned to do was to you know create this really wacky interface where you're pointing a browser at an IP address and you're dragging files through your browser to try to upload them to your iPhone app and then you can load them in and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I'm, I'm just not going to do that. Like I would rather not have an app in the store than have an app that is just silly to use. Um, and so, yeah, once, once iOS 4 came out and they provided the iTunes library stuff, I was able to actually jump on that and, and do something cool. Um, yeah, so, so that app is actually quite popular um, and it works quite well. Um, you know, some people will write in like to my support address and, and kind of give me flack and say, you know, oh, it doesn't do all these cool nifty things that the desktop version does. And, you know, it's, it's a mobile device. <laughs> like I'm doing some crazy stuff on the desktop to figure out, you know, the spectrum and the cords and all that other wonky stuff. Um, but some people will write in and say, you know, I'm, I'm glad it just works. <laughs> it works. It runs well. It looks good. And, and I'm happy with that. But you put a darn, cool. darn, darn, darn load of thought into making it work well, right? That's why it works well. Oh yeah. No, I, I killed myself to, to put that app out there. Like it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, if, if, if you want to look at my, uh, singleton talk from the first singleton conference, I talk about just a couple of the, uh, the little things I had to figure out in order to get it just scrolling smoothly. Like there's some crazy OpenGL stuff I'm doing with shaders and all this other wackiness just to make the waveform scroll nicely. Like it's, yeah, I, I, put, I put a lot of thought and a lot of effort into sort of little details and stuff. Are those talks um, uh, online and, and free? I'll put them in the show the, the, notes the, if they are. The Singleton talk is online. Yeah. Uh -huh, it's, okay, great. It's up there. I still get emails about that. Uh, that talk it's that was definitely, a hell of a good talk inspiring yeah yeah I, I get a lot of emails to that effect you know from people who say hey you know i'm i'm a super nerdy guy too and i didn't even think that i could put some nerdiness into simple apps <laughs> mm -hmm. um, well i liked what you talked about you know you're saying you know the math and science you know in these papers and stuff well it's hard and you might read through a paper not really understand it at first but if you yeah. go slowly you know and and take your time and think you, you, you say this stuff is understandable and you know that that part's very inspiring yeah and and you know what um it can kind of play into the red herring topic a little bit sometimes you'll find a paper and it's really daunting and you'll read it and and you'll just start to understand sort of the surface of it but then you'll realize that wait a second i don't actually need this there's another paper mm. I need to look at, you know, so you'll, if you're going to get intimidated, at least, you know, give it a chance to find out whether you actually need to understand it rather than say giving up on the problem and saying, oh man, this, this is, this is way too complicated for me. I'm mm. not even going to bother. Cool. Yeah. So no, yeah. and what you said about like, if you see something, you know, you should read it. It's like that with everything. And it's kind of interesting how we do this as humans, like if we see a paper or we see a topic or we see some code or whatever we see that's challenging, we're like, oh, I don't even go down there, right? I can't understand this. Or, well, yeah, you can't understand it because you stopped right there. And well, it's true. Whole, you know, too long, didn't read, right? <laughs> exactly. But if you read it, if you do read it, it takes your time. And then you read it again and read again. Eventually, you'll make sense of it. And then you can make it, sh you know, short, will read, whatever, right? Like, right, right. You, you have to put in the effort to get the output. Sure. And yeah, yeah. it's... It's like that with everything. It, it totally is. No, no, it totally is. But I think it, it, a lot of people miss this. And it's so important that you talked about this. And of course, I saw your talk. Is that 
you do have to do it. If you don't do it, you don't do it. Like, it's so obvious. Right. A lot of these things, even when I get my talks, it's like, these things sound so obvious, but we all don't do them. Myself, I don't do them. You have to, like, discipline yourself to do them. Oh, totally. It, totally. I mean, yeah. even the simplest things are, are so hard to actually implement. Oh, yeah. Even, even stupid things, like, you know, we talk about this in, in other venues, but, yeah. you know, planning. Mm -hmm. Like, you think, oh, yeah, everyone, everyone plans. Everyone pulls out a calendar and, and plans, you know, what they're going to be coding for the next couple of weeks. No, they don't. Nobody does that. It's, you know, you try, you try your best to keep on top of that, but it's really hard to keep that going. Oh yeah. Especially when um, you're an indie developer working at home and you have distractions. I mean, I'm serious. Like, yeah. And, and the other thing too is, you know, the type of work that we do is kind of unbounded in complexity, right? Oh yeah. Like I could, I could sit down and say, you know what? Next version of Capo is going to you're going to drop a song on there and it's going to print out all the tabs and it's going to know all the guitar lines. It's going to, it's going to pull out the bass line and the guitar line and the piano. That's what I want. That's what I want the next version of Capo to do. So now I'm going to get started. <laughs> like, where do you even start with that? Right? Like you, you <laughs> yeah. just, you know, you, there's a, there's a big gulf between, you know, what features you want out of a product or, or even what product you want to build and actually setting out the steps from A to B because, yeah, you can sit down and you can spend an hour or two hours or six hours writing down a list of these are the steps from A to B. But you might write something on that list which seems trivial trivial at the beginning and then you find out, you know, either A, it's a tough problem to solve or impossible, um, or B, and, and this one's kind of more painful, is, you know, Apple doesn't allow that or, you know, there's no API for that or so on and so forth. Um, you know, so there's a lot of these unknowns. And so, yeah, you talk about um, simple things that, you know, you, you say you're going to do and you, and you try to keep on top of, but man, they're just, they're hard to implement in practice. Yeah. Um, and I've actually been working on that the last couple of months. I've been, I've been really trying to get on top of myself for, um, for actually doing, you know, smaller scale scheduling. I hesitate to use words like agile and scrum and stuff like that, but I am borrowing a lot of those ideas just to, to try and wrap my head around, you know, at least an approach to try and follow so that, you know, I know that I'm moving forward always. Well, the one thing um, that I've seen with myself, it's always hardest with myself, right? Cause I have to convince myself, but the one thing I've seen with people I work with clients, I've advised people that are just friends, whatever, is if you're always thinking about the problem and weekly you just bring up a, hey, where am I at? Or what? Just, just a checkpoint, right? A checkpoint. Right. You will do way better. I can guarantee it. You may not want to do it. You may think it's counterproductive. It may be a pain in the ass. I don't care what your excuses are. I am right. positive in the 15 plus years I've been doing this that taking stock and really talking about this checkpoint of where you're at, what you've done, where you're going and questioning everything works. Yeah, and... and that's kind of what I'm, what I'm trying to, um, get into with this. Um, you know, I'll throw scrum out there again. Sorry. I hate talking about this stuff cause it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. You know, as one guy and actually I got a contractor working with me now, so it feels a little bit more right. But, um, I, I feel like at least the methodology of the, the very high level methodology of having a backlog of things that you are going to work on and, the current sort of sprint, if you will, that will produce 
some iteration forward. Um, just that as a simple framework has been very helpful for me to at least say, you know, it makes me feel better about not doing the things that are in the backlog because at least I know they're there and I will look at them again at the next sprint or just yeah. before the next sprint. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird, it's a weird thing to apply. Cause if, if you're going to go and listen to this and you know, you, you work by yourself and you say, Oh, scrum, Chris says scrum is great. I'm going to go read about scrum. You're going to see all this wacky stuff about, you know, scrum masters and, you know, these poker games where you're like estimating issues together and stuff like that. It's like when you're by yourself, a lot of this stuff does not apply. Yeah. Um, but you know, the actual high level framework of, you know, here's a list of things I have to do and this is what I'm working on right now. And at the end of this iteration, I will have a iteration of the product, right? Whether it's an alpha version or a beta version or just, I've got these five features done now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just, it's very rewarding. It's very rewarding in the past. I would just kind of furiously, furiously work. And I would leave one feature kind of three quarters of the way finished and then I'll do another feature and that'll be half finished and whatever. And then, you know, three months go by and you're like, I've got all the features done, sort of. And then you're spending another two months just trying to polish everything, um, you know, moving in more of a, a sort of boxed framework of these are the things I have to do. At least when you come out at the other end, all of those little things that you set out to do are at least done and they're not like half done. They're done. Um, anyway, it, it's an interesting thing I've been, I've been experimenting with for, like I said, just a few months, but it's been working out really well. I mean, um, if anyone's been sort of tracking my, you know, maintenance releases and stuff like that from month to month, I, I've totally shot up activity over the last maybe three, four months in that regard. Well, that's great. That's very yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it feels good to kind of be back in the saddle again. I mean, I had that blog post a while ago about, you know, having a year of just very slow movement. Um, and it was a combination of, um, you know, kind of managing success, uh, which is very difficult. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how people, um, you know, you hear about these success stories where people will release something and it's a hit and they, you know, it's a big story that they've made however many hundreds of thousands of downloads and wow, so-and-so has a whole bunch of money now. Getting from there to like surviving another year, I don't know how they do it because it's because it's not just having a pile of money like you could have a pile of money. But what about, you know, the support overhead, the maintenance overhead, yeah. the, you know, crap. I left this totally simple line of code bug slip through and now there's say it's 100,000 users. Now there's like. 8,000 users that are affected by this terrible bug and you know 700 of them decided to email you about it is and it a crash like, bug because if it's a crash bug hockey app can fix that sorry shameless plug <laughs> hockey app, hockey app doesn't fix it it just tells well, you it, it can fix. tell you where to fix it that's right, what I meant. Right. hockey app can help you i think is what i said would you add that feature to hockey app where it actually oh, it, fixes the crash? Dude, if we can add the yeah. fi if we can add the feature to, to fix it, then you know yeah. I don't think developers will complain about the amount that we charge, huh? Yeah, no good. But, but what I I'm don't saying think we'll charge the same. But anyway, good. <laughs> it's it's the growing pain aspect, right? You can have this massive success um, kind of hit you in the face and knock you on your butt, and you're trying to keep up, and you're trying to satisfy everyone, and you're trying to do the maintenance releases, and you know you're trying to support your users and trying to make everybody happy, and 
you'll kind of turn around and realize, you know, four months have gone by and I am maybe 5% done my next milestone or my next, you know, big thing that I wanted to add because you're kind of drowning in your own success. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's a difficult, it's a very difficult problem to solve. You know, you could throw people at the problem. You can, you know, try hiring help and so on, but then that's overhead as well, right? You got to train somebody, you got to explain what does my product do and so on and so forth. Yeah. 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 It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so it's, it's been tough, uh, on me just kind of managing that. And, and I made a decision, um, the year that Capo did really well, uh, we also decided to actually move. <laughs> uh, so we built a new home out here and, and that took a lot of my time, uh, over the course of that year. So the combination of, you know, managing the business, I also incorporated in my business and I built my house at the same time. Right. So you had life stuff, home stuff, business stuff. You had like a lot of extraneous stuff that wasn't conducive to coding. Right. But I've been coding furiously the whole time. So right. what's, I guess what I'm the point I've been making very terribly over this long conversation is, um, because I didn't really keep on top of where I was at, what I was currently completed and what States each individual, um, feature or, or bit of the puzzle was in, you know, I made a lot of movement forward on, on a bunch of my products, but then, you know, when you kind of come up to breathe again, you realize that, man, I, I went crazy coding this thing and it's great. And it, it does most of the stuff I need it to do, but it's still not done. So, you know, you need, you need to sort of take stock of where you're at and then, you know, start putting the plans in, in motion to actually ship that stuff that you built. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, taking, like I was saying, you know, taking those checkpoints and not just going on autopilot. Like that's my big thing is autopilot's terrible. You have to check in, you have to see what you're doing. You have to be aware of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's important stuff. It is. It is. It's, I, I think, you know, being, being an indie developer is, is, is difficult. Um, you know, from a self-discipline point of view, um, you know, you're, you're sitting at home, you're alone, you're, you're left to your own devices to work on products. And, you know, there's nobody really cracking the whip to get you to release a product, nothing other than really sales graphs, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's all you have is, you know, are people still buying the product is, is, are the sales going down? Are they going up? Um, why are they doing one or the other? Oh yeah. Um, you know, you don't, you don't have, there's, there's no crystal ball that says you should be working on this feature. No, this is the important one. This is the one that's going to get us to point B. Um, you're just kind of, you know, taking shots in the dark. Oh yeah. And, and time scales are, are, are a wacky thing. Um, with product work, especially working alone. Um, I don't know if Brent has the same experience, but like building capo took, man, I think, I think from start to finish, it was like four months for capo 1.0. Like I just, I worked like crazy. And in four months I went from zero to capo 1.0. Hmm. Um, wow. Net newswire 1.0 took 10 months. Right. But that's a short scale considering yeah. the scope of the app. Right. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, I mean, I was sort of quote unquote cheating in the sense that I did have an audio engine from tape deck I could extend and I did have components I was able to kind of pull out of, you know, fuzz measure and tape deck and stuff and, and right. build something new out of it. I had some IP to draw on, but the point is you go from zero to an app in a couple of months, but yep. that, 
that 1.0 to 2.0, man, that, that took a year, you know, combined of research and supporting the 1.0 and, mm-hmm. you know, working on the other products. And, you know, and now if you look at Capo 2.0 came out in, was it 2010 or 2011? I think it might've been 2010. So like, damn, <laughs> like it's been a while, uh-huh. uh, you know, so, you know, the world is kind of do for something new and big and and hopefully I can give that to them but it it's just it's a lot harder to um, to move forward when you're working with an existing user base an existing product and you're trying to be smart about what you're adding to the product because you're learning from your old mistakes you're fixing all your old problem problems you know you have this discussion about technical debt that you guys had Mm -hmm. probably for your first or second episode you can have that discussion over and over again because it's it's a real problem. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Right, yeah, so I mean, yet, oh, sorry, go ahead, Brent. I was just gonna say, you know, that all sounds very familiar. Uh, Net Newswire two took a year to create. I think it took longer than Net Newswire one. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, even though I was building on an existing thing, but you know, for all of the same reasons, uh, it certainly took a long time. And now that app initially released in two thousand two. It's now twenty thirteen. And it's never made it to 4.0 in all those years. Right. Just because, you know, for all those many reasons, it, it, uh, it takes a lot of work. It takes a long time. It does. Yeah. And, and like Chris was saying, motivate, you know, motivation or potential demotivation, being at home and, you know, not being in a team. You know, there's, again, there, there's, there's benefits to having a team, right? You have other people around. They're inspiring you. They're throwing out other ideas. You can collaborate, this and that. Um, yeah. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of pitfalls. Yeah, yeah. And, and release management becomes difficult too, you know? Um, I, I think, I think there's another problem that kicks in where you, you do your 1.0 and and you have a very clear idea of what you want to add to 2.0. And then you throw that all out the window because the customers are demanding something completely different or you find something new. In the case of Capo 2, I, I discovered this research stuff that I wanted to implement instead. So, you know, I threw everything out the window and did something completely different, which worked. And when you're building that product, you have another list of things that you couldn't put into the product. So now you're, you want to build version three. And so now you've got all the things that you wanted to add to version one and all the things you wanted to add to version two. And now you've got this giant list of things you want to build into version three. Plus now you still have a bigger user base giving you feedback. It, it kind of, it's a compounding problem. So what I think a lot of people do is, you know, you get the, the 1.0 product, the 1.1, and then boom, 2.0 comes out at a reasonable time after 1.0. And then you get the 2.2.0, the 2.1, I'll do a 2.2, oh, I'll do a 2.3. And you're adding all these features. And the next, you know, next thing you know, it's been years. You haven't come up with a paid upgrade. Um, you know, sales aren't getting any better because, you know, you're, you're not doing stuck huge- in the rut you're stuck in the rut. So, you know, time passes and, you know, as a small business or as a business, you have to have a way to, to kind of keep your, keep your revenue going. I think it's very fair to do a paid upgrade. This is personally once a year. And by once a year, I mean, not on the dot, but like after a year, it's pretty much okay. But after two years, if you're not doing a paid upgrade, you're actually doing your users a disservice because you're technically just, 
patching things or adding things or fixing things without getting increased revenue, which means that you're not then doing a big release, which then you're inspired to do, which they're inspired to pay you, which then you're inspired to bump it up another notch. Right. And it also sends a, a weird message to customers. Absolutely. Too. You know, they, they start to wonder about the product. And like, they get fuck. used to it being free, so they undervalue it. That's another thing, too. Totally. But I know what you were going to say. In other words, then they start to wonder, since you're not doing major upgrades, oh, he's just patching this along. I guess it's a done app. Right, right. And um, yeah, like we'll do we'll do bug fixes. We're very cognizant of not letting too much time go by. Like I'm not saying you do a release just for the sake of release, but if it's been like three months, two, three months and you haven't done a release, you should think about doing something because you have bugs. You have something you can do. And when a new user comes to the app and they see, oh, this guy hasn't done an update in six months, you know, let's go out and say it's even more. Right. They, they'll look at that. I know I'll look at that. I'll say, oh, it looks like it's unsupported. There was that game. I know it was, what was it called? Um, Ridiculous Fishing or something like that. Yeah. Yep. And that game has gotten really great reviews. It actually looks really awesome. If you've read, if you've read about the whole, um, uh, all the reviews about it, they seem like really good guys. I don't know if you read the story about how someone stole their app and all this. So you look at this whole thing and you're just like, oh, this is great. And the app came out on, um, where is it here? Came out on March 13th, right? Yeah. So this app has been huge. I mean, it was it was a huge, huge app, right? But they haven't done an update since. Now, I'm not saying you have to do updates all the time, but it's kind of interesting that an app came out on March 13th. It's now here April 26th, and there were no bugs in 1.0. Yeah, yeah. Um. And what's funny is they launched at 1.01. So obviously when they submitted, something happened, and they had to like submit a 1.01. So they launched new on 1.01. But when I see something like that, that's such an insanely popular game with all of this microscope attention and over a month goes by and there's not one update. I mean, here's the thing. Maybe there's no bugs. And I know all apps have bugs, but maybe there's just no bad bugs. It's possible. But yeah, well, what I would say to that to is games kind of occupy a totally different um, stream in that regard. Sure. I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I'm not much of a game developer, but I feel like games sort of have to be a little bit more solid out the gate like i don't think the game would oh, be certainly as they do. popular oh if certainly it wasn't solid. certainly certainly but i think not seeing an update over a month for a game that's been so popular any anything just is a little weird to me i, I other games have at least an update within the first month I, wh- whether maybe, it's bug maybe. fixes whether it's a feature whether it's requests i don't know what it would be but you know we'll yeah. see now of course they'll come out with an update tomorrow so, yeah, you, so yeah. uh-huh <laughs> So, so the, going back to the thing I was talking about with the, um, you know, spaced releases. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that, that 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3 problem um, is really, I think, a sign of, you know, if you're not like a large company that's already got the planning thing down and, and you know, you've got your schedules really in place. But if you're an indie dev and, you know, you find yourself, you know, on your... 2.1 your 2.2 your 2.3 and it's been say say it's been you know six months or something like that you kind of have to look at it like maybe that 2.2 and 2.3 could have been half the work towards 3.0 right like i i think it's easy to fall into the trap of looking at your upcoming feature list for the next major release and saying you know i could i could sort of get the short-term payoff and maybe do a, a 2.2 and do a little press release and stuff and maybe i'll get a little bump in sales and it'll only take me three months of work rather than nine months of work to do everything i need to do for the next release or whatever you know you kind of fall into this trap of you know let me try to give the users more now i'll make everybody happy 
and maybe I'll get more users. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That trap is sort of infinite, right? Like it, you could keep playing that game forever. Oh yeah. I honestly, I think that's what Apple kind of wants people to do. Uh, you know, with all this app store stuff and no upgrades and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I, I think they want apps to follow that model of, you know, providing new features through in-app purchase and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a whole other discussion. So, um, we're getting close to, we're not out of time yet. Right, Brent, but we're getting close. Oh, we're getting close. We're getting close to to our, to our call sign off, but, um, any, any final tips or tricks to either someone starting out as an indie developer or something, someone who is an indie developer of what you do, because you know, you're an indie developer and you obviously have insight to being successful. So what, what kind of tips or trip tricks or pitfalls, more pitfalls would you like to just close off with? Um, and if you don't have any, that's fine too. No, no, I, I sure you have a ton of me. I yeah, get, I know I you, forever, I know you, right? Yeah, yeah, we both can. Um, the thing I would, I would sort of say is, um, I, I've got to this point cause I'm, I'm definitely lucky, but, um, I also got to this point because I didn't, you're not chase lucky. After you're not lucky. The big Ch- hit. Chance favors the prepared. You're not lucky. Right, right, but but I know what you I mean. mean. I just have to say it because I always I hate when people are like, "I'm lucky, I'm lucky." No, you worked really hard, and and you were you were in the right place at the right time, and all that stuff. But you worked really hard. Don't don't underestimate how hard you worked. For sure, but even the best ideas can can flop. Absolutely, right. Even if Absolutely. you could you could have Absolutely. the best plans, the best intentions, it can still flop. Sure. So, um, I get. I guess what I I like to try and impart on people is, um, you don't necessarily have to go huge. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, trying to chase that five dollar app that everyone has on their phone or their or their Mac or whatever, like that's that's cool and it'd be great if you were able to hit that kind of success. But I like to go, I like to point people at an old uh, article by I think Eric Sink where he talks about software pricing, and you know he talks about you know if you had like a transporter device, would you charge people the same amount of money to transport as it costs for a flight? you know, considering what you offer these people. And, and with that, I'll, I'll make the comparison to uh, niche software, right? Like you look at people writing apps for the medical industry, you know, they're not charging five bucks. They might have a few hundred users. They might have a few dozen users, but yet if you look at some of these companies, they employ dozens of developers. Like how do they pay all these people? (laughs) You know, it's, it's it's so easy in our industry to to focus on the people who are successful as a one man shop who went out and built you know I don't want to use it as an example but you build something like Letterpress where everybody wants it and loves it and you do very successful with that right but at the same time you could charge a hundred times the price and make a smaller group of people really happy by solving a problem that they actually have. Um, you know, fuzz measure did that for acoustic stuff, but man, I could, I could, I could talk for hours about follow on products to fuzz measure. I could build because there's niche markets within the niche markets who really need products. You know, guys who specifically work in say the automotive audio industry have needs and people who work in the home theater tuning industry have needs. And guess what? These people who work in these industries, a lot of them are contractors. So whatever you do to solve their problems, they're happy to pay big bucks to buy your thing because you're saving them time and hence saving them money. 
Um, so I think it's just an, an often overlooked thing to like chase after that, um, niche, niche market because, you know, there's real money to be made, you know, don't, don't freak out over say a $200 app for an iPad when, you know, there's a very healthy market of people who will pay big bucks for, you know, Mac and iOS apps. You're not going to be reviewed on, you know, Mac world and you're not going to be, you know, in, you're probably not going to win design awards. You're not going to, you know, be on daring fireball or whatever. You're not, you're not going to get that community love, but man, if you're like in the trade publication and you are the only app for iOS or the only app for the Mac that does this very important thing, guess what? You're going to do damn well. And what's awesome is you're going to have so few customers to support and all of your customers are going to be very tech savvy and they're going to be uh, ripe with like very valuable, awesome feedback. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it seems like a no brainer because I've no, I've, it is a no brainer because that's the thing people miss is that all of the answers are there if you're willing to pay attention. I mean, I'm not saying they're just handed to you and they're complete, but the answers are out there. Right. In terms and, of and feedback and in terms of, inter- yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Like you, you can, you can, you can get the answers if you look. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, if, if I want to boil it down to, to a specific piece of advice, I'd say to, you know, enjoy your hobbies, <laughs> like spend a lot of time doing what you love to do outside of coding. I know coding is one of my hobbies, but I do have other hobbies. And you are going to find a lot of problems that need to be solved to make your own life easier. And you'll be amazed. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Like I, I built fuzz measure because I was building speakers. You know, I didn't know there was a problem that needed to be solved until I had that problem myself. I didn't build tape deck until, you know, my friend Dan had that problem and we both attacked it. Um, yeah, I didn't build capo until I started learning to play guitar. And when it came time for me to start learning stuff by ear, I looked at the state of affairs and I said, this is terrible. <laughs> like, I need to do better than this. Like, I felt compelled to solve the problem. Well, that's it. The best apps solve problems that aren't already solved. Right. And that's where the passion comes if, from, too. You, yeah. And you if, know, the app like, ex- if the app existed, you wouldn't make it. You'd be using it, right? Right. Like the worst thing, the worst thing you could possibly tell somebody. And I, and I hear this suggested sometimes, you know, go out in forums, you know, go listen to the forums and listen to people who are complaining, like look for problems that need to be solved. I feel like that'll probably get you a good business idea and it might get you a good product to build, but man, you're going to hate doing that in about three months time. It's like the accounting software problem, right? Like think about how much money you would make making accounting software. Oh, definitely. But who the hell wants to build accounting software? Well, what about disk utility software? I mean, if you may look at these, like, you know, clean my Macs and these other things, they make tons of money, dude, tons. But who wants to work on that? Right. And, and my opinion is the best of those products were probably created by people who have got stuck in a problem themselves and have like a real passion for fixing it. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know what the best products are in, in, in that market, but I'm willing to bet that the people who created those products were faced with a problem themselves and wanted to actually solve it. Right. Right. All so right, yeah, well, ho- that's, hopefully that's, that, uh, helps some folks. That's good <laughs> advice. So in wrapping up, we usually, uh, we'll do some things on the glass board really quick. And we actually had a bunch of questions this week, Brent. 
Oh, well, wow. it seems like begging for questions seemed to do the trick. Yeah, we begged last week, so we're begging <laughs> yeah. again. Please, uh, after we're done, go on our glass board, pass uh, invitation code Simmons. And uh, uh, first question comes from Michael Kai. He was listening to the last episode, and we were begging <laughs> for suggestions. Uh, he's a graphic designer. He's curious what experiences working with designers has been. What, Chris and I could talk about this. Oh, and, yeah. and uh, possibly what suggestions you might make for a, be- for a designer to better engage with developers to create a rocking product. In my experience, they could sometimes be difficult, but other times great collaborations. I understand Michael has design experience, or is it more marketing focused? What do you think? Is, is, is this an interesting topic? Blah, blah, blah. So um, there was someone had replied, but just the short version is um, I have design experience. I don't actually do the artwork, but I do the actual layout and UI and user experience and everything. But I believe very strongly that design is marketing focused. I think you have to design your app, and I don't just mean the design of the visuals. I mean how it works, how it's gonna function, what the feature set will be, what the pricing will be. Everything is part of that design, and that's all marketing focused because if your app is good and your app is friendly and your app is helpful, it's gonna sell well and people are gonna talk about it and you're gonna get the best kind of marketing, which is evangelism and word of mouth. So um, to answer the question though, at least from my point of view with working with designers, yeah, it's, it can be difficult to work with designers, especially good designers, because they're really busy. Um, and really the suggestion I would say that it makes best to work with a designer, I have a clear path of what I want. So when I work with our designer, whose name is Wolfgang Bartlemy, um, I'm very direct about what I want. I've already thought about problems. I already have solutions. Now we collaborate, he's a designer as well, so, um, but I view him as more of an artist. Now it's not to minimize what he can do. He's a full designer. He could be doing the UI and UE, but um, I already have all of the stuff answered. So then when we're talking, we're not talking about, oh, where should this go? Or how should this work or whatever? We're focusing on the real polish and the real details of it. So. Um, I think my short answer would be working with the designer is try to have an answer, try to have the problem solved of what you want and what the app should do and where in the user interface things should be and how they should function and you'll be better off because otherwise you might as well just say to the designer, hey, I want to design an app that's a calendar app, go make it happen because that designer is going to have questions and if you want he or she to answer all of them, then you're going to get what they want, not what you want. So the more you can communicate and collaborate, the better off you'll be. There you go. So I, have a, I have a question on that question. Sure. W- was this person asking how to be more effective as a designer or more effective when working with a designer? Well, he's a graphic designer and he wants to know what suggestions would make it better to work with developers. So even though I gave the flip side. Yeah, you of, gave the flip side. I gave I, the flip I could, side. I could give his answer. Sure, go for it. But in I, my opinion. I, the flip side is important, I think, because if he's going to work with a developer, he needs to have that developer communicate. For sure. I guess the, the inverse to yours would be perhaps um, don't don't be too pushy when you know with your opinions because ultimately somebody is trying to get you to implement their vision right like you wouldn't want your designer to push back and say no your ideas are stupid like you should do this instead yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah sure 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 so there's that aspect um but in terms of effectiveness or or how to be more effective um i would say like from a higher level like you were talking about you know really good designers are busy is don't take on too much like there's nothing wrong with saying my plate's full right like 
it's not going to make you as a designer come off any better if you're trying to satisfy 10 clients and you're making all of them angry because you can't meet all of their deadlines. Well, the other issue here is the other issue here is this guy, Michael, is if he's a good guy, which I'm assuming he is, if he's someone who's, who's communicative and everything, then the problems that he might have with developers he can't solve necessarily. I mean, sure, if he says, hey, I need a better path or I need you to be more communicative or the things that I suggested, that will help. But just on the flip side, when you get a graphic designer who's hard to work with, you can get developers who are hard to work with, right? It's all oh, about yeah. relationships. So I was trying to give it from the reverse side to say communication is how I work really well with my designer. So on the flip side, him as the designer should hopefully be getting communication from the developer. For sure, for sure. Because I think that's really what it, where the breakdown comes. Now... You and I both. But part of, part of the problem is, um, I think developers um, in general, especially indie developers, are probably not used to specking what they want. No, they're not. And they think and that so, the designer's going to solve that problem. Exactly. And, and you know, as, as far as from the designer's point of view, you can't really solve that problem um, because it's kind of an unsolvable problem because you're going to fall into a trap, right? Like if you... If you're working with a developer who doesn't know what they want, how, how could you possibly meet their expectation? Because you don't know what they want. You're going to keep throwing stuff at them and they're going to say, no, I don't want that. Well, then what do you want? Uh, I don't know. Give me something better. <laughs> no, I, here's, a, here's a good way. I just actually had a good idea. So it's like asking a designer to design a radio. Right. Where normally you say, hey, we're doing this radio and here it is. And here's the feature set. Hey, designer, make it look good. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you don't ask a designer to design a radio. A designer's not necessarily an engineer. Right. So with an app, you should be making the app and then telling the designer to look at pretty. That's why like certain people when I am like, oh yeah, well I kind of designed the app and I can't make it look pretty. I use a designer. That's really the way you should be working with a designer unless you're working with a designer who's also a software developer that understands how these things work or otherwise, okay, here's a perfect example. Even Wolfgang who works with so many developers and is such a professional, he was like, oh, can't we do this? And technically we couldn't do it. Now, he doesn't know everything about the code, so he has to dream big, right? He has to come up with these beautiful ideas that we can do. There's something we're working on now where he wanted to show a thumbnail from a web browser on something. And we were like, well, you can't do it because we'd have to poll every website. And then what if it was a website that, you know, you don't want to poll, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but that's why it's so important to have this relationship between the developer and the designer so we can tell him what's really possible and he can at least dream big and try it, right? Or... You know, it's just it's a collaboration thing. And I think it's really important to remember that a designer needs information just the way the designer needs to give the developer information. Yeah, for sure. Brent, any any input? I think it's 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 helpful to remember what the roles are, uh, because you I think you can engage a designer a few different ways. Uh, It might just be, you know, the designer is essentially the artist, but you might have a designer who you are collaborating with. for how the for how the app works itself um, at that fundamental level, and as long as everyone knows what's going on, um, and as long as everyone knows who has the final say, then I think that can work just fine. So you were saying like what, what the app does. So if you've already made an app or you have an app concept that you've already come up with how the app's going to work, and you're just looking for a designer to really make it beautiful, right? Yeah, that's one thing. That's one thing, exactly. If you have an idea for, let's say you have an idea for an uh, RSS reader, right? But you have no clue what it's going to look like. You know that you want to make it easy. You know that you want to make it uh, fun, whatever, right? But you haven't sat down and done anything. 
that's another thing, right? It's another completely different thing because now technically you have to assume that the designer knows about RSS feeds. Like, sure. yeah. There's just the, the reason why I'm bringing up the communication thing is it's so many people assume that the designer just is going to make something happen. Oh, they're a designer; they can make it happen, and yeah. they almost put too much burden on the designer. And then if it fails, it's kind of the developer's fault. Well, right, it's right. the responsibility of both parties to understand what they're getting into, and for absolutely for you know the designer might say, ah, you want me to help you figure out how this should work. Well, it's a field I don't know about and I don't have time to learn right now. So That's unfortunately right. I can't take this job. Which, Communication. You know, is fine. Communication, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, hopefully that helps, Michael. Just basically be really communicative with your developers. Be really communicative as yourself, as the designer. And just make sure that you're collaborating in the right places. If you have experience, let's say you're, let's say Michael's a designer who actually knows about, I don't know, calendaring, right? He's worked on a calendar app in the past then that's great. He has an expertise doing that. And if he's working on an app, which is a calendar app, let's say he randomly gets that job, he should bring that up and he should be confident and helpful with his experience. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it can definitely, like he was saying about developers, that developers can be difficult. Yeah, uh, designers can be difficult. Everyone can be difficult. Yeah. But what makes things easy, and I've really found this to be the case, is just be open, honest, and communicative. That fixes a lot of things. Yeah, and and another thing I would follow that on with, uh, with respect to the communication, is um, maybe not. Don't go down any paths without clearing it first. Uh, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, if it seems like the developer doesn't really know what they want, maybe start with a really low fidelity thing and try to get things cleared before you move forward. Because the last thing you want to do as a designer is lose a whole bunch of hours on going down the wrong path because neither party is going to be happy because what's going to happen is you know you come out the other end and you're either going to have a client who's like well that's not at all what i wanted and then now you're going to have to ask this guy to pay for say you know 10 or 12 hours of work that you know (laughs) it's not going to and then and then and then if that person's frustrated you have to say well it's what you want and then it sounds like a pissing match like exactly no no totally 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 i mean on on some level you're responsible for those hours if you didn't push back and say these are going to be bad hours right exactly or you can make yourself responsible even though you're not right you can put yourself in that position absolutely yeah you're gonna you're gonna avoid a lot of problems by you know solving the problem before you go too far down the rabbit hole (laughs) definitely and then the other question i have here on the glass board is um what do we use for app sales tracking uh currently using an open source app on my iphone i won't use a free service like app annie that leaves app viz 2 which is desktop based versus app viz a short version is i use app viz 2 i love that it's on my mac i love that my data is stored locally i love that you know i'm not giving a third-party dev my my password um, I don't like the online factor of the fact that potentially your account on app figures could then get hacked. Um, also, I don't like the fact that I need an internet connection to have it. So let's say, for example, you know, I'm going to be traveling and I have to look at my sales data while it's on my Mac. Um, I, I, I like the way it works. It's really solid. The developers are great guys. They're actually friends of mine. And best of all, they take feedback. So um, that's one nice thing about having a Mac app that is for your app store tracking is that you have this Mac app that can take advantage of things on the system where a web app, I mean, you have pretty basic functionality of web browser. That's not to say a web browser can't be popular, but on the Mac app, you do definitely have better functionality because it's desktop based. That's my quick take, Chris, and then Brent. Um, I don't don't have an app. (laughs) I actually like app figures. Um, 
uh, on the web. Okay. Uh, I, I do use both. I do use app figures and app viz. Okay. So you do use um, app viz. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the one trick I read about recently with app figures, if you are concerned about the web stuff is you can create a limited account on your iTunes connect. So you can set aside an account that only has access to your sales data. I did and, see that. Yeah, I saw that. Right. And nothing else. And um, yeah, so if you spend the time to set that up, I don't think you're exposing yourself too much. I mean, worst case, somebody sees your sales information. But right. I mean, really, what's that going to? Well, and if they wanted to see your sales info or got and they probably had a good idea of what it was anyway, right? That's why they wanted to yeah, see it. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can kind of guess with stuff. But I mean, sure. like, if somebody were to get their hands on that, it's... It would it would suck, but at the end of the day, it's not like they're taking your apps off the store or do something yeah, totally. more nefarious like that. Okay, gotcha. And then um, Brent, you don't use anything because you don't have an app, you said. Yeah, but what did you use? Well, you know, before that, I had a free app, so didn't really care. And long you had before to track, that, like, downloads and stuff like that, right? What's that? Yeah, well, so I just logged into iTunes Connect and okay, whatever. so you just went straight to the source. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that's pretty much all I've ever done. Uh, mm-hmm. I have used AppViz a little bit a couple years ago, um, but I just didn't get in the habit of launching it because. Yeah, that's my know. problem with AppViz. Is I just I don't I don't think to launch it. That all the is time. my one problem, and I've talked to them about this. I know they're working on, or I think they're working on a new update. I can't remember exactly, but I've told them they need to have a dame. It's something that auto launches the app in case I forget because I've gotten into the habit. I mean, I'm so pattern now into doing it because I do it every day. I just launch it once a day, right? But that is definitely one of the failures of it is that if it, if you don't launch it, you could lose days of data where app figures is always going out and getting it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like if I was if I was the AppViz guys, I'd be all over, you know, making some kind of service that's always pulling for data. Say it runs once a day or three times a day or whatever, whenever it mm. seems appropriate to download. And then, you know, lean on notification center. Just, you know, mm. throw up mm-hmm. a thing that says you know, daily reports are available, weekly reports are available or, you know, yeah, that'd be been, fantastic. Yeah. You've been featured on three lists or, you know, cause app figures has a lot of this mining that they're able to do cause they're just always running. Like you can do some really wacky stuff with app figures, like, um, you know, track your chart performance versus other applications or, you know, you can just follow other applications you're interested in, you know, like when somebody launches an app, you can actually watch it as it's on the list. Mm. which is kind of neat, right? Like I can, you know, when somebody says, hey, this app came out and it's on Daring Fireball and it's on here, it's on there, you can actually watch, wow, you know, it takes five days to completely fall off the charts or maybe it takes two days or, you know, you can you can actually do that research without having to actually access their app figures account because really they're just pulling the public iTunes charts. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, that's good answers and good stuff. Um Keep the Glassboard questions coming. Again, glassboard.com, and the invitation code is Simmons, and uh, we're begging again for more questions for next week. Not Simons. Not Simons, no. Two N's. And not, and not Brett and not Michiel, or Mc, I don't even know how you say M-I-C-H-E-A-L. <laughs> Michiel. Um, Mikhail. But, but it's, it's Lisho, isn't it? Lisho. 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 It, it means simple and smooth. That's, that's appropriate. All right. I don't know about the smooth part, but the simple part for sure. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's some smooth software. There you go. Yeah. I strive. I strive for that smoothness. I'm just yeah. not letting him think it's smooth so he can work harder. It's not good enough. Man, welcome to my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, awesome episode. We want to, again, thank our sponsor, FastSpring, who uh, we really appreciate them sponsoring us. Um, again, they do e-commerce providing and uh, store and payment processing, and they are awesome. Check them out at FastSpring.com. Um, I think this is our longest episode ever, which is great, Chris. Thanks. Sorry. Well, <laughs> quality or quantity, I don't know. You can't get this guy to shut up. That's awesome. That's uh, very cool. Yeah, and um, yeah, really appreciate uh, really appreciate you being on. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. Hopefully, hopefully it. Uh, no, I think it's it, great. It comes Thanks. off as wisdom. <laughs> no, it was great. Awesome. Well, Brent, thanks for having uh, me on. Brent, hope everything's well with you. We didn't do any banter today, but hope all's going well with you and your new app. Yep, just just doing the things, working on them piece by You're piece, indieing hard. Yeah, moving it forward. Oh yeah. yeah hopefully, it's, you'll have it's something a lot to show of fun in June. Yeah. Yeah, there will, there will be a thing. A thing will happen. Will there be a demo awesome. in June when we all see you, or will we have to annoy you and you'll just keep saying no? Uh, I don't know. What kind of indie developer spirit is that? <laughs> <laughs> I hope just... I have stuff to show off, man. That's, that's like the best part about WWDC. Is <laughs> yeah, you, you show people stuff and you get it ripped apart. Some exactly. stuff, some, you have to have something to show off. And, and get it ripped apart by your peers. Right, right, sure. What's well, so, so ob- man? Obviously, you know, I, I'm working on things. We have we have plans. We have release dates. We have certain amount of things to accomplish, and I'm right. you know just keeping all the plans to myself for now. So, yeah, I was I was trying to be very careful not to mention specifics about you know next capo stuff because right, I just may not finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I have an app. For, at least I have an idea for a new app. Cool. If it doesn't come out, that is. Man, if I had all the time in the world, like I was talking about like follow-on apps to fuzz measure, I've got like dozens of them. It's crazy. Well, keep them in the pipeline. I mean, it's good. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like you always do. Yeah. The problem is when you're working on an app, you're not working on all your other apps. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That is a very big problem. Well, and that's the whole thing that goes back to the planning, right? And the taking, oh, yeah. ch- taking checkpoints and really thinking about where you're at because, you know, that six months, that 12 months, that 18 months, whatever it is, comes pretty quickly when you're not paying attention. Oh, man, it's nuts. Yep, it sure is. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Goodbye, listener. Cheers. Adores a minuet, the ballet roots, and crepe Suzette. Our patty loves to rock and roll, a hot dog makes her lose control. What a wild duet, still their cousins, identical cousins, and you find. They laugh alike, they walk alike, at times they even talk alike. You can lose.